0: What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC.
1: This is the DiPietro and Rothenberg Podcast. Yep. Listen live weekday mornings from 6 to 10 a.m. on 98.7 ESPN in New York. Yep. The ESPN New York 4. app. Yep. Or on your smart speaker by asking it to play 98.7 ESPN. All right, let's go.
2: Let's go, Raymond.
1: He knows sports. I'm intrigued by a lot of guys. And he's very humble. I go away. This This show show dies. dies. So now it's time to see if you can stump Rothenberg. Is the DS4
2: 7, by the way. All right, Stump Rothenberg brought to you by... Jackpuck. You see what I've done here? I've rolled up my sleeves. Can you stop texting for a minute?
3: I wasn't texting anything. I'm, I'm trying to do research for my question.
2: Your question ready to go? Yeah. All right. We'll get to yours in just a moment. We start how we always start and bring in, and I'm going to need your help on this one, Andy and Merrick, who has an NHL question. Oh, Good nice. morning,
1: Andy. Good morning to the original NIL
4: and Rothenberg.
2: What's up, fat face? Oh no.
4: NIL stands for not in lineup, still getting paid. <laughs>
3: I mean, <laughs> that was funny. That's yeah, not even you right. They called him fat face. Well, he's not, because I knew he was coming out. Like, I knew NIL stood for something.
2: I liked it. I it's thought good. that was clever. It was, it was a good job by
5: you. All right, what do you got? All right, so
4: there are currently 12 organizations that have never hoisted Lord Stanley's Cup. Two of them have been scuffling for more than 50 years. Name them.
2: To never win the Cup.
4: More than fifty years, no cup.
2: But they've never won it.
4: That's correct.
2: <sighs> I mean, Toronto's been forever, but they've won it. Um, Rick, are the Sabres over fifty? They got to be over fifty, I would think, right? Sabres haven't won it. Yeah. Um, Sorry about that, RJ. Love you still.
6: Nineteen seventy, their first so season. That's,
2: and how
3: about the Canucks? The Canucks have not won. It. Yeah, there Canucks. you go. That would be my neighbors
6: and
2: Canuck, my man. There you Thanks. go. How was, that was a good job. And I that got was it was one of Andy's better calls, and I got it before you did. Yeah, it's a good NHL question. Did on top you of it. Did you know that
3: right, right off the, the bat? Terrific
2: insult. It was a good insult. It was a good question, and it was oh, right
3: quick. off the bat. No, it would have taken me more time to think about it. So good. you're impressed by no, that well a little bit.
2: All right, let's go to uh, G- state hockey. I'm going to ha- give you a chance at this one. Jared in Morganville. Good morning, Jared. Good morning, Dave. Good morning, Rick. Who was the first New York Islander goaltender to record two
4: 30-win seasons?
2: Gotta be Billy Smith, no? There's gonna be a trick here. Is it it, it you? I don't know if it's me. I'm hoping it's me. I don't know if it's me or not. Could Billy Smith... Billy Smith had to win. What about Ozzy? Chris Osgood? But Chico Resch. Oof. Yeah, I don't know.
3: I want it to be bad. I want it to be me. But I want I'll it to be. be you too, really bad. But it either see, I think I feel like he's is, trying, Jared, to get is Jared to Jared head. trying to be nice to me. I hope. Yeah,
2: it could be. Have a Kelly Rudy. Could be him. Kelly Rudy. He was good. He's good. He's all right. He was good. But yeah. He played a lot. Kelly Rudy's all right. Um. Who?
3: I don't know. I
2: don't know if I don't know I for don't, sure. I don't know it either. Um. Billy Smith seems so easy, doesn't it?
3: Yeah, maybe. It, what about Halak? Halak had a couple years. Was that recent? that
2: recent, though? In that storied franchise history that, that it just took to Halak to get to back-to-back? Can't be Sorokin, right? No. What, what's your gut telling you? I'm thinking you or Billy Smith. It's nice company. Yeah, it is. Good company to be in. Wouldn't you know it if it were you? Would I know what it, it was mm-hmm. me? I don't.
3: I, dude, I I remember all the bad stuff. I don't remember much of the good stuff.
2: Billy Smith is great. Billy Smith is awesome. I all mean, right, we're, we're gonna we're gonna go Billy Smith. Sorry, thirty nine. It is. Ah, uh, I knew it. I see. God forbid mm. you know your own. Why stuff. couldn't you help me, Jared? Give me like a little hint. Like, hey, yeah, like yeah, a like giggle. I I knew. I knew it. I'm like, wouldn't, it, wouldn't you know it if it was you? I don't, I don't know. know. I only know bad stuff. I Was uh, was that the was the last one? Was that the question or the first first, first really? one. First to win wow. 30 games back to back. Yes. How good is that? Yes. I mean, how good do you feel about yourself right now? I don't he gave me the okie doke I, I needed a, that, though, after I Andy NIL one. comment.
3: I'll take that one. That's that not on nice. you. That's let's,
2: not on your record. Let's go to Jeff and Howard Beach. Jeff, go ahead. You're on Stump Rothenberg.
4: Hey guys, I usually call during a frenzy, so I don't get the chance to say good morning and hello. But uh, hello, hello. How are you, Jeff?
5: (laughs) And Dave, I'm great. I love your passion, bro. I love you. I swear to God. Um, But my question is, uh,
0: I think you're gonna get it. Longest football game ever played.
2: Longest football game is the Chiefs Dolphins. We're, We're obviously talking NFL here, right? Right, NFL. Yep. Okay, I think it's Chiefs Dolphins, and I think it's 1971.
4: Uh, you're too good, bro.
2: Thank you, thank you for that. It was a good job. Two and zero. Oh, you're two and zero. Oh. No, we're two and nah, one. You're no, you're two and oh. Listen, I screwed you. I, I, I should have known know my own stats. Uh, let's go to Loser. Charles in the car. Good morning, Charles. Hey, Dave. Hi, Charles. I'm going to take you back to probably one of the best days of your life. All right. 1997
3: Giants-Vikings playoff game.
2: No, I'm not doing this. This is nasty. You're a bad guy.
5: (laughs) The question is, who on the Giants botched the onside pick and who on the Vikings recovered it?
2: I don't remember who recovered it. I think it was Chris Calloway botched it.
5: That is correct.
2: Yeah. Um, I don't know who botched it.
3: No, it's a two-part question. I don't like the two-part question. Uh, that's
2: one of the darkest days of my life. Um, I, I don't know. I don't know who recovered it because the second he he botched it, I died inside. <laughs> What's the answer, Charles? The answer is Cr- Chris Walsh. I mean, does anybody yeah, care about you know? that? No. Do so you want to hear a story about that? Kind of. Oh, by, by the way because I am so aware of what's happening. I want to tell you that you're listening to DPH and Rothenberg on 98.7 ESPN WEPN-FM in New York. Well done. So I was at a wedding. I was dating a girl. We we're down in Miami. You ever been to Vizcaya? Nope. It's this like unbelievable, fancy, artsy resort. Because we... you come from tons of money. It was her cousin's oh, wedding. All right. All right. She's, please, will you please go to the... Sure. I said, here's the thing though. I have to... We have to be there in time. Gonna have to be able to watch the Giants game, so watching the Giants game in the hotel room. She's like, just make sure you're ready by seven. Fine, game's at like one. Game ends four thirty because it took a long time. I'm not going. She's like, what do you What do you mean you're not going? I'm not going. She goes, I swear to God, if you don't go to this wedding, we're done. You can leave right now. Find yourself back to New York, and we will never speak again. I said, okay, fine. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't leave. I went to. I went to the wedding. Oh, you went to the wedding. Yeah, but I didn't talk to anybody the entire time. Nothing. I sat there. She's like, "Would you like to dance?" Nope. You want to meet my cousin for the yeah? Nope. So I'm here, and that's it. Just an in body. That's it. Was, and what happened after that with the relationship? Uh, it didn't make it. No, it didn't make no it. No, it shouldn't have. It. Yeah, no surprise. I, mar- I married the right girl. Let's go to Stephen Maplewood. Hi, Steve. You're on Stump Rothenberg.
4: Good morning, guys. I was asking for the first and last name of the starting five of the only undefeated NCAA basketball team, Indiana University, 1976.
2: Oh, all right. So Quinn Buckner was on that team. Yep. Mmm. I think. I think. Was Kent Benson on that team? Um. I'm, I'm confident Kent Benson was on that team. Yes? Yes. Was Bobby Wilkerson on that team? Nice. Yep. He was yeah.
4: the, the two-bar. Yep.
2: I don't remember if Abernathy... Sto- Scott May, whose kid won a title with uh, with Carolina years later. Sean May was on that team. Yes. <sighs> What do I have? Four? Yeah. Now I don't remember if it was Jim Cruz or Tom Abernathy, who the fifth starter was. I'm gonna say Abernathy, and I think Cruz came off the bench, but I could be wrong.
6: You got it, yeah!
2: my friend. You see that. That right that, there is that right there. That's why you listen. That's that right there th- right there. You listen. And in fact, if you I don't know if you noticed or not, the little slug that RJ put in there. Said NCAA question, very tough. Very difficult. Very tough.
3: Nailed it. Boom. What do you got? This is why you listen. Uh, so we were just talking about the Dakota ratings and everything else. Uh huh. So Aaron Judge, fresh off his MVP season, can you tell me the last player to win back-to-back MVPs? Ooh, please? In either league?
2: Either league. Most recent. Most recent. That's a good question. Back-to-back MVPs. I mean, Bonds seems like it's so easy, but he's probably not the last. Alex Rodriguez? Did he win back-to-back? Bonds has has to be under consideration, but maybe it's Christian Yelich. I don't think Yelich went back-to-back. I'm talking about one of the great... I mean, this is
3: one of the great seasons we've seen. Great season.
2: Followed up by another... Amazing season. Another amazing season. Miguel Cabrera won the Triple Crown. I'm not saying anything. No, I know mean you're not. Just sitting here minding my business. Cool holes. I'm going to go Miguel Cabrera. Give him the ding. That's right. Yeah, Give buddy. Give me
4: the ding! <laughs> Give me the ding!
2: Ding! Give me another ding! <laughs> I mean, you see what's happening. This right is right in front of your face. Yeah, it's special. Uh, RJ, you ready? Five pack? I I don't appreciate the laughter.
6: I know. I I love it. All right. Here we go. College Give
2: me one more thing, Raymond. One more thing. There you go.
6: All right. This five pack is... This is going
2: to be hard, isn't it? This
6: is on the more challenging side.
2: You're not messing around here, are you?
6: But I think you'll do well. Uh, We'll see. Joe Alexander.
2: West Virginia. Yeah. Yeah.
6: Jared Dudley.
2: Boston College.
6: Eric Gordon.
2: Indiana. Yeah.
6: Josh... McRoberts.
2: You'd think I wouldn't know Josh McRoberts. You'd be wrong. Duke.
6: And finally.
2: You had me fooled on that one. I thought you were going to struggle with that. Okay.
6: This one, not easy. Not easy. Rodney Stuckey.
2: Eastern. Washington. Wow. Oh, what a day. <laughs> I, am smart. I am too smart. I think I'm done.
3: Man just had a day.
2: I, I think I'm done.
3: Night into morning,
2: Tuesday I mean, night into Wednesday morning has just been your time. You, you know what it was? You coach a team, you take them out there into the court, you lead them into battle. They come through in the clutch for you. They produce for you. They listen to the game plan for you. And what do you do? How do you respond and say thank you to those little kids? You go out there and you produce like right, this. Right? You show.
3: Them. You lead by example. By example. You're not the. You're not the kind of just going to sit by. You're not going to give the. Uh, the pump up speech and then sit on the sidelines? Absolutely not. Going to get involved?
2: Absolutely not. Uh, a couple things from Adam Schefter. He says today is the first day the Jaguars wide receiver Calvin Ridley can apply for reinstatement. Can you imagine if Calvin Ridley is anything close to what he once was? Uh can I? I'm just saying, like, could you imagine how good their offense will be yeah. if he's if I think he's it was really a, good? Uh,
3: it was a smart, it was a smart move by Jacksonville.
2: Um, and Carolina and Indianapolis discuss prominent offensive coaching roles with ESPN analyst Dan Orlovsky. Before he opted to remain at the network from wow. Schefter as well, how about that? How about that is right? Well, I mean, Orlovsky's made it perfectly clear he, and he wants, wants, to, be he a wants coach.
3: to coach. Maybe time-wise it doesn't make sense for him, or just lack of.
2: At some point, he's going to be a coach in the league. What though. you say it was Carolina in Indy? In Indy, yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, there's some. They could hire everyone at ESPN. They could have had Saturday and Orlovsky. Saturday, and yeah, like the but full it's Lewis who's, Riddick. Who's <laughs> the quarterback's going to be? It's yeah, part of it. He's got young kids. Too. He's got
3: young kids too. That's up, man. It's a humongous
2: commitment. Of course it is, but but at what point? I mean. If you're going to do it, you're going to have to do it at some point.
3: Well, I know, but I think a lot of like when I told you, I mean, when I, me personally, said mm-hmm. that Mike Kafka should just say no to the, to the Arizona job, it was now your names out there. You become the new, the new it guy. You see people who are actually like, there's a reason why the report came out. It's good for oh, Dan or, or or report- Orlovsky
2: is going to yeah, Adam um, Adam Sheftu, who I'm sure is very friendly with Orlovsky, did not leak this by accident. I'm sure Alaskey said. Of course. And he said, and, "Go with it."
3: And he declined and went back to ESPN. Correct. So it's a quote. So these, but both. Of the, you know how these leagues work. Yep. Good for him. It's great. He's going to get a
2: big job at some point. He will. And that'll, that'll be great. Also, I, I forgot to do this. Uh, Stump Rotherberg brought to you by Jackpocket. Mega Millions is 84 million and Powerball is 57 million. So play official state lottery games on your phone with Jackpocket. Download the Jackpocket app and get your first ticket for free using code ESPN. Uh, must be 18 old older to play. If you or you who know, has a gambling problem and wants help, call 877-8HOPE-NY. Visit jackpocket.com slash TOS for full, full terms of service. So um, Evan Drellick is going to join us in a couple minutes I say, who exactly is Evan Drellick? He writes for The Athletic. He's the guy. He has a new book out yesterday who literally uncovered the entire cheating scandal with the Houston Astros. So he's going to join us in about, I don't know, 15 minutes from right now. I thought it would be interesting. So I, I guess it's now official, some of these new rules around Major League Baseball. We kind of take a tour around that, and then we'll have Evan in a little bit, and then we'll get back to, of course, you know, some more Mets and, and some Jets quarterbacking situation. So the rules that we know, right? Have you seen the new base? It's three inches it's bigger, bigger, but base. It, it looks a lot bigger. I think it looks so much bigger now that Ray, in all sincerity, said, did you see, like, that, that fake base they put next to the old base before the show? no. I think that's actually what it looks like. The new base is a lot bigger than the old base. Well, the old base is what fifteen, it goes fifteen to eighteen inches. Fifteen yeah. to eighteen,
3: yeah. So I mean, it's uh, you know what they're trying to do. I mean, this is this is Theo Epstein's thing now. Is he is trying to bring
2: back? They want to speed the game up. Well, they want to they speed want to it
3: do. up, but they want. I mean, they want to add excitement. They want to have more balls in play. They want to get back to seeing you know great athletes do amazing things. That's why the shift is gone now, which is going to help batting average. Is going to create more runners on base. They're trying to. You know, with the the pickoff the pickoff rule, not even just the pickoff rule. It's just I mean, just disengaging the mound, and then you know, with the bigger bases, they want more action, man. Yeah, they, they, they want sure more. Do. Sto- they want more steals, and the only way to do that is to
2: make it more because these teams are so smart. And they want not oh, they want offense. They 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 want to eliminate, and they have done. They've eliminated yeah, yeah. the shift.
3: But just to, the reason why they have to do this though is is because these teams are so smart now. That with, you know, all the different numbers and analytics and everything else is the goal will never change in sports. It's to win as many games as possible. Of course. And the reason why you do that is because everyone likes making millions of dollars a year. And the only way to ensure you keep your job is to win games. So if I got a bunch of different analytics to tell me if I shift this guy this way, we're going to win more games. Guess what we're going to do? We're going to shift guys this way. Well, of course, you. Would. So you have you'd be, to. You'd
2: be stupid not to.
3: Right. So you have to eliminate it, and also like you can't just tell a team, hey, just go steal more bases. Well, they're going to say like, no. If we don't steal, if we don't have, you know, if we don't steal the, you know, successfully eighty percent of the time analytically, it doesn't make any sense. So how do we make it analytically more feasible? Base running is fun. Right. We make the bases bigger. Do like you
2: remember? Tr- and I, I know you do because I know you're a big baseball fan. Like the days of Vince Coleman. But I mean, he'd get on base. Dude, and it was they thrilling. Were my, they were my favorite Rick, players Ricky to Henderson, Willie McGee. Like these guys would get on base, and it, it you, you, like, I, I can't, I can't. Hang on a minute. We'll go do that in a second. Ricky Henderson's on first base. Like the guy stole 130 bases better. in a season. Used to love it? It was thrilling. So if you can bring even a little piece of that back, I think it'd be great. Now, 15 second. I mean, let's say shot clock, right? Nobody on base. 15 second shot clock. You have to get the pitch off within that amount of time. 20 seconds if there's a guy on base, and only two throws over to first. And in It'd fact have to be a, It doesn't have to be a throw, though. Right? We even we even did a little research. It's just stepping off twice. So once you've now stepped off twice, all bets are off, right? So now if you were to step off and or throw a third time over to first, and you don't get the guy, it's now a balk, and he gets second base, or I guess third if, it, if the case would be.
3: Yeah, you're trying to get I me. Mean, you're trying to get more action, more runs, faster game, quicker pace. Is baseball I, baseball I, has turned I, itself boring.
2: It is boring, and I love baseball. But love how it. many times do you watch a game? You are like, it's so slow. It's, it's it is so it is slow. bland. Well, because it is slow. Well, and they, they're trying to eliminate that a little bit. Good for them. I, I will give them credit for this. Good for recognizing we have a problem. We don't want to manipulate the game and t- like we don't want to change the the emphasis of the game and just change the sport completely. But what can we do that we sit here in twenty twenty three to make the game a little bit more exciting and a little bit more interesting? And I, and I think. That we'll wind up seeing that this season, yeah, I think you will too. And there's going to be a lot
3: of left-handed hitters that are pumped that you're not going to have, you know, a second base and second baseman in short right field.
2: It's awful. It's awful. It's awful. How, how many times? And I, I've seen this a ton. To in to try to guess.
3: Try to guess the league-wide batting average was in 2022.
2: Uh, hang on, RJ. Did you did you hear that by the way? Or oh, yeah, are you, I was, did you I doing. Was, a, I mean, he's he's he steamed he steamrolled, steam-rolled right? right by you, RJ. Did you hear the steamroll? You Trouble. can't hear it. It's it's, it's deadly because it's silent. I mean, if you steamrolled another human being like this on the streets, they'd be flattened. Like, That's the point. But how do I go on now? Now you get up. like you, you, you basically reached into my pocket and stole my wallet and now want me just to continue with the segment. I said, well, how about this? And he just... RJ was... He just said, well, how about this? I have something better. Whatever you have, I don't even know what it is. I have something better.
6: So here's the way I think you have to handle this. Okay, what do I do? You have to pick a spot. Not today, because it's too obvious. At some point when he...
2: Steamroll a- asks
6: you a question or something like that. You just you go in a whole different direction. See, that's not my style, though. But I think you have to point it out so that it's more noticeable.
2: But I just pointed it. No, out. No, but here's the
6: here's my I'll make it, here's I'll make my it a thing conundrum. right now.
2: I got steamrolled for no reason. You're trying,
6: you're trying to
3: admonish. No, you no. Need to. Here's my conundrum. He drives the show, right? And now I know the second that something comes out of his mouth, he could steer us in a different direction. And why I'm steamrolling is to stop the vehicle. And let him know that I'm still, I want to stay in this direction for one more second. I
2: I was going to say about something within the conversation we were having. So you're just hopping
6: hopping into his lap and taking the wheel. So so
2: do do you think, lapping do you think he feels comfortable on the show? Yeah. Okay. Do do you think if we all of a sudden it's like, so Aaron Rodgers, that he couldn't have said, well, hang on, before we go to Aaron (laughs) Rodgers, let me keep us on baseball. I have one more point. You think he could have done that? Probably. Yeah. But no, just cuz you have 30 wins and back-to-back seasons for the Islanders and you're first one to ever do it. Now all of a sudden, if you come out with an interesting point or you have something you want to say, I will steamroll you.
3: I'm sorry. I apologize. I'll be better. Been a lovable loo- a lovable loser. Sometimes I just can't speak sometimes. <laughs> I accept your apology. All right, so question cuz I like doing these games. And I get steamrolled again. Now it still doesn't work, but go ahead. The league-wide batting average last year was what? 2.42. Oh, 2.43.
2: Lowest, uh, I mean, do you see what I do? Lowest since
3: 1968. That's pathetic. It's bad. 243 is awful. 243 is bad. Yeah, I mean, yeah, baseball has a problem, and this is a good first step to try to fix it.
2: Can I say what I was going to say before? Say it now. Okay. How many times you watch a game, you're watching on TV, and you don't know how the infielders are aligned, and the ball is crushed up the middle, hammered, and the second baseman's standing right there and makes a routine play?
3: This is the problem with sports, though. There's so much money involved. And and these, I mean, and there's such a lack of patience that these these teams, these coaches, these GMs, they have to win as many games as they can, and the best way to do it with all these, I mean, there's a reason why they spend this much money on their analytic departments is give themselves the best chance. So they don't care about your entertainment.
2: I, I, well, they, they should. don't, but but they should, okay, because but it, it's not, at some, it's not at some point to though, they shouldn't care, but somebody needs to be the go-between that says. We need to figure and, out a way to make people care. Otherwise, we're going to wind up losing the game.
3: And this is why these changes are being made. And the players will adapt to it. The players, the pitchers, as much and as they you want know to And you know what's
2: going to happen. It sucks. It, it's not what I'm used to. I can't do this. I can't get the ball and have to throw it in 15 seconds. Blah, 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 blah. And by the time you get to the All-Star break, it'll be like, oh, this is the way it, it's always felt like it's been. And it's better. This will be better for the game of baseball and for the fan. Okay, so how about this? So
3: the pitch clock. So this was this was a stricter pitch clock when it was first uh, implemented. Okay. And this was in uh, the minors. It was a 14-second clock with the bases empty and an 18-second clock with runners on base. Over the first 132 minor league games with the new rules, the average game time was 2 hours and 39 minutes. 20 minutes shorter than the average time of a control
2: set of 335 games run without the clock. How many times you watch a baseball 20 game minutes. and you love I know I know you do. I think you love baseball more than I do. How many times you watch a baseball game and it's interminable. Like you get Just to the 7th and you're like I it sucks. But here's the thing though. It's like when
3: people like Someone will come up to me and be like, uh, "Oh, that was a good hockey game last night, six 5 I was like, "Yeah, it was a good hockey game," but I'm no like I'm not opposed to a, a one nothing game where it's just back and forth. You know, both I totally agree with you.
2: Now I don't want every game to be one nothing, and I don't want every game to be six five. But give me a, a little mixing and matching. Yeah, there. but
3: I don't mind. Like if the baseball game goes long and
2: it's a great game and there's but a ton That's of action, that, that, fine. but I don't want every uh, Yankees Red Sox every game whether Ugh. it's a great game or an awful game takes four hours and sixteen minutes. I don't want. It. And you know what sucks is that you watch a Yankees-Red Sox game on Friday night at 7.10, and it ends at 11.31, and then it's like, all right, we'll be back on the air 12.30 tomorrow for the pregame show. It's like it's too—and I love it. It's just—it's too long, it's too much, and
3: this will help. Yeah, at least they recognize that they had a problem. I think they always knew they had a problem, but now they're finally trying to fix it.
2: And you have kids. I mean, yeah. they can't concentrate for more than 10 no. minutes on anything. No, not even playing it. My, my kids will watch a game and watch like a TV show on their iPhones at the same time. So this is the generation we're in. Well, oh, no, I mean, it's no, it's no different than what a lot of people do now with baseball anyway, though. I mean
3: you, mean, you say it all the time. You come home, from the baseball game on, and you're oh, still doing it. Oh, it's just like a, it's, yeah, a, you're it's doing, a feature in your home. Yeah, yes. you're doing other stuff. You're checking in.
2: All right. And then you get to the seventh inning, 2-2 two, two game. All right, let me let me settle in and really watch this. But yeah, I mean, and and the thing also is there's so much baseball. It's every night. It's It, it never it never stops. I think that's why football is in such a sweet spot. Clearly, there's a problem in the NBA. Clearly. Yes, hockey I think is is still very good because the regular season has a lot of meaning and, and they take it very seriously. Baseball it's just it's so much. It's yeah, hockey's problem is night. more that it just
3: doesn't it doesn't translate. It's not a good television. it's not as good on TV as it is in person.
2: Like the NFL is better on TV for me than it is in person. The, that's why it doesn't why matter what happens in the NFL because you can't get enough you but can't that's get it, but that's why it's so perfect. It's though. not oversaturated. If you go, it's great. If you're home, it's great. If it's Thursday, it's great. If it's Monday, it's great. If there's two games on Monday, if there's games at nine o'clock in the morning on Sunday, it's 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 perfect. The NFL, as we sit here right now, has it exactly exactly perfect. All right. Now well, this portion of the show is driven by the All American Ford Auto Group, the number one volume Ford group in the Northeast. Huge locations in Paramus. Hackensack, Old Bridge, and Point Pleasant. Shop allamericanford.net. That's all net. All right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let you choose your own adventure a little bit here. You want to get to some calls, or do you want to hear from your manager of the New York Mets?
4: I think calls.
2: Okay. Let's go to Danny Long Island. Danny, good morning. You're on 98.7 ESPN.
4: Good morning, boys. Talking to a father. Just got a video of his son pitching in college, so it's baseball season. Let's roll. That's awesome. Congratulations, you know, Danny. Thank, thank you sir you know the best uh, the biggest thing that baseball can do is speed up the flow of the game which is call more strikes every at bat does not have to go to 3 and 2 if you call more strikes the batter swings the ball's put in play and you have a brisk you watch a game back from 30 40 years ago that's what it was and that's what's missing now we have a strike zone the size of a shoebox and it's not fair to the pitcher. Now, baseball won't do that because, in their head, it takes away from the offense. But it doesn't take away from the offense because the batter is going to swing quicker, the ball will be put in play, and when the ball is put in play, good things happen, exciting things happen, things happen that we talk about the next day. Guy drops a pop-up, ball drops in, crazy play. Nobody's talking about a call strike three. So that's what they need to do. Forget what the funny-looking bases and the, the pitch count clock and the, the, how many times you can pick somebody off. They need to call strikes. and, 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 well, but and Danny, what, my, what do you
2: want to do? expand the strike zone I I don't, no, I don't I, like I that wanna, I want to I
4: want to go back to a 19 to a, to, to go back yeah, to Yeah but Danny watching. I Danny you watch
3: baseball as much as, as anyone like do you think the way that the way that these hitters now are programmed that calling more strikes is going to help the offense I mean you still have to make contact with the baseball
4: They're going to have to Listen every year in the NFL we have major rules that go into effect what this is now going to be. This is a point of emphasis. The, the referees obey what they're told, and the players get instructed, and they play. Baseball has umpires that refuse to call what the league wants them to call. Oh, no, I'm not doing that. You call a strike. What used to be? Not, go to watch a Yankee classic, which they always win, by the way, and watch Ron Guidry or somebody from the '78 series or the '80 series. Even go back to the early '90s. It, what, what used to be a strike in a two-hour and ten-minute game is not a strike in a three-hour game. And that's the reason why the game is so long. And you're right. F- you turn on a football game between the Seattle Seahawks and the 49ers, I'm in. I turn on ESPN and I'm watching the Mariners play the Giants. Yeah, no, nobody has care. any interest. Nobody, no, no,
2: nobody has any
3: interest. Yeah, but I don't necessarily know. I get what you're saying, and I've heard a bunch of people say that. And I'm not I'm not necessarily against what you're saying. I just don't know the way that the way that people approach hitting now with such an effort you know, emphasis on, you know, launch angle and hitting home runs. Like they don't like the problem is that not enough guys make contact with the baseball. The, the next in step play. in
2: my mind is you're going to have the robotic umpire, which I look forward okay,
3: to. Okay, but again, I think you need to the best way to do what Danny is saying and get guys to, you know, to put more balls in play is incentivize guys that hit over 300.
2: Like yeah. wherever the money is is what guys are going to do. Absolutely. You're a 312 hitter, you know what? Teams are interested in that, not it's home run or bust.
0: Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Thanks for listening to the
1: D.P.H. Row and Rothenberg podcast. I think they're listening to me. They're everywhere. Dave. I know you're here. Catch the show on demand wherever and whenever you want. Woohoo! Over here. <laughs> Just subscribe to us, rate us, and review us wherever you get your podcasts.
2: I had my egg bites, right? And I've rolled up my sleeves and I am ready to go.
3: Yeah, cl- climbing under the desk because I'm trying to do my read. Nobody I dropped my pen,
2: and I wanted you to know so you weren't like, "What the hell's he doing under the desk?" That I was going to. Well, I, I was
3: it. hoping you were doing, but. No, just a pen. Just a pen.
2: Um, Evan Drellick, you know who he is. I know who does he is. does a really good job with The Great Athletic. Job. Has a brand new book out, which is available now everywhere you would like to buy this book. Winning Fixes Everything, How Baseball's Brightest Minds Created Sports' Biggest Mess on the Astros and Their Cheating Scandal. Evan, we appreciate a couple minutes. How are you this morning?
5: Good job with the intro music. Maybe uh, next time he'll think before he cheats. So well done. Very well done.
2: The, the man, is he's a genius. Like Einstein is to the theory of like relativity is what Raymond Santiago is to intro music. So people in New York, and you know this, people in New York hate those Astros teams. More, more so than probably teams around Major League Baseball because they feel like they stood in the way of their beloved Yankees winning the whole thing. Walk us back. How did you first find out? And how, how, like, how did the entire story come about that you said, you know, what I'm going to be able to write a book on this entire cheating scandal?
5: Yeah, the, the reporting process to break the Astros story was 13 months of torture, and I actually got fired uh, in the middle of it, which really delayed the whole thing. I, I was a Red Sox reporter. I'd been an Astros reporter, but I'd left Houston for Boston, and we're in the 2018 ALCS in Houston. And I, I was at a hotel not far from the Astros stadium. And I spoke with people who, who had lived it like first hand sources inside the Astros laid the whole thing out for me, you know, I, and I was floored. It, it, you had a world series team that had cheated and people didn't know it. There'd been some allegation, but nobody had anything firm about what had gone on. And I actually, when that series ended, I, I shot my little television shot uh, down on the field. And then I walked across, you know, like 90 feet away to the Astros dugout and then into the tunnel. And I took some photos. Uh, there was the garbage can right there, the way it had been described to me. And there were some wires hanging on the wall on the right side also as it had been described to me. So it's a year after the Astros had done the garbage can scheme. Um, you know, but I pocketed those photos and 13 months later, after I joined the athletic pair up with Ken Rosenthal, you know, we got the story to a place where we were able to get it out. Um, but it was, you know, there was a period there where I was unemployed and I had this sitting in my notebook and it, it was just like, you know, did I pass on the biggest story of my life? And, and I'm, I'm glad in the end I got it done.
3: Now, how hard was it to so you have you have the pictures sitting in your notebook and you're trying to figure out, you know, is, is this something I'm going to I'm going to try to write a book about or just to do enough reporting to write a book about it? How hard was it to get people to to come forward or to to help you with the information you needed?
5: Yeah, so once the, the story comes out, then it becomes apparent that there there is a book here. Uh, I had, even back in like 2014, I had written about the Astros management culture. You know, it's a franchise I knew very well, uh, and I was well sourced in. And the book is a mix of on the records so of people speaking out. And I was actually, frankly, pleasantly, pleasantly surprised by the number of people who were willing to talk about what was going on in Houston and, and in other places. And there's, there's some anonymous stuff, right? And I, I think it's probably too soon to expect everybody to uh, be willing to talk free and clear uh, about what happened. But, you know, where I think the book really I hope people find it succeed is that it takes you on the inside in a way that most of these books that are done about baseball teams don't. And if this is what was really going on in Houston and in major league baseball, uh, in the last decade. And the book was supposed to come out sooner. It took a lot of work, a lot of time, and it's because there was, frankly, a lot to sit
2: through. Evandrelic Athletic joins us here, 98.7 ESPN, the book, which is now out and available all sorts of places. Winning fixes everything, how baseball's brightest minds created sports' biggest mess. So we've heard about this, I mean, forever, that there was cheating in the 51 you know National League playoff game between the Giants and the Dodgers. But how different is it? Because you hear all the time, Evan, the teams, they cheat. And if you're not cheating, you're not trying the whole thing. How different was it from what Houston did and, you, and were caught doing than what other teams did to, I guess, quote, cheat in baseball?
6: Yeah,
5: look, the Yankees were kind of ground zero for, for the origins of this. If you go back to when MLB put in the replay rooms, a really genius move to give every single team all this access to, to in game video. The Yankees started uh, decoding signs in the video room. They get that information out to the dugout. Then a runner got on second base, he knew the code, right? It didn't matter how many fingers the catcher put down. The guy in second stood there and knew it. The Astros took it a step further. You know, what the Yankees were doing, what the Red Sox were doing, um, you still had that pretense of, well, there's a runner on second base and he's using his eyes, even though he's using his eyes with information from off the field. What the Astros were doing was entirely off the field. It was a camera in center field to a television monitor just behind the dugout in the tunnel, and you know I remember right after the story comes out, John Boy put together some videos based on the story, showing like here, here's exactly what the story uh, is describing. And one of those videos, there's an O2 pitch to Alex Bregman, uh, I think it was like a curveball, you know, he hits a towering home run to left field, and I'm watching that, and you just go, holy crap, he knew it was, coming. you know, like, is this real? Um, it, it, it's pretty jarring when you think about um, the possibility of them kind of succeeding and winning without doing it on the field, right? Like, yeah, he still had to hit the pitch, but he knew what was coming. Um, and so it was a direct relay. It was the fact that you didn't even need a runner on. It was totally off the field and electronic base. And I think that's why, you know, it floors people. It's not about what you're doing on the field at that point. It's you know, how smart are you off the field and, uh, so it doesn't surprise me the way people look at the Astros compared to other teams.
3: Yeah, but isn't that isn't that kind of the climate in baseball now? With all these you know MIT kids and Harvard kids, like all these teams trying, I mean, analytic departments. It wasn't. It, it feels like to me Houston looked at because it sounded like I mean, reading some of the stuff was that you know this what Boston was doing, what the Yankees were doing, was what Houston was doing on the road because they didn't have the luxury of having their same stuff at home. It, it almost feels like. You know, Houston looked at it as we're just smarter than you. Like, why, why wait for someone to be on second base? We can streamline this thing and we just can send it right to the hitters rather than worry about, you know, someone getting on second base.
5: No, I think that's right. Like, the, the, you know, the Astros were these darlings of analytics and it was this really bottom line driven culture. And, and, and the, the book really spends more time on the management culture of the Astros than anything, you know, answering the question, how did we get here? How did we get to a point where a team was like, yeah, I'm just going to brazenly cheat? They did always want an edge on another team, and that mindset did come from the owner. Uh, it did come from the general manager. So, yeah, it, it, some of this behavior existed, um, you know, and the Astros just decided we're going to elevate it. You know, when Carlos Beltran got hired by Yes, he finally speaks publicly. He does it to Yes um, uh, to Michael Kay. And you know, he says, we, we thought we were being more efficient and, and smarter than anyone else. Yeah, that might be the case, but you were you were also breaking the rules in a way that was more egregious than anybody else. So who, who
2: are the guys? Obviously, Beltran, we know that. Who, who are the guys that were most culpable here, that were kind of caught red-handed with their hand in the cookie jar? And was this the entire organization, or were there some guys that weren't participating in this, I mean, for lack of a better term, cheating scandal with Houston?
5: Yeah, so let's say MLB had decided to try to punish players. The, you know, how do you break that down? Who is actually responsible in this situation? Jose Altuve, the book confirms everybody around him on the team. Carlos Correa said it publicly. Not a guy who used the system a lot. But he also stood by. There's an anecdote in the book where the Astros, toward the end of the regular season, the 17th, are going back home. And Altuve you know, says to somebody else, um, you know, I'm excited to get back to the boom, boom, boom. Like he makes the, the, uh, the garbage can noises. Because, you know, he, he knows that it'll help the team or believes it will help the team. on Beltran, Alex Corr, the bench coach, current manager of the Red Sox, they were kind of the masterminds. They were driving the whole thing. But you had plenty of players who used it. Carlos Correa used it. George Springer used it. Marlon Gonzalez used it. And then you had guys, you know, Tony Kemp was kind of a lesser player. Altuve, they didn't use it as much. Well, they didn't stop it either, right? So how do you break down that blame? I don't know that I have the perfect answer for that. But, yeah, it, even if you're a pitcher on the team, and some pitchers wanted to stop it, or at least that's what they say after the fact, um, you know, but you, you still stood by and watched it. So it certainly was team-wide. How you then, you know, from there go, well, this person's more responsible, I think human instinct is, well, you know, who started it, who was pushing it? And that was certainly core and Beltran.
3: Evan, any thought? Um, from the commissioner's office that when the punishments came out or where they were deciding how to punish this team, that they they punish the players and then make the union look like the bad guys once they try to fight it?
5: Yeah, look, they considered it. And, and the, the reason MLB, dis- or at least one of them, one of the reasons MLB decides not to punish the players is because the union very likely could have won a grievance. And then you'd have the punishments vacated uh, or reduced. And then, you know, Manfred's standing there looking – totally ineffective in a different way. Um, And and the fault here still lies with the commissioner's office. Because if you remember, in 17, you have the Red Sox Apple Watch scandal, and the Yankees also got fined in that too. And Manfred was too soft. And and he also from there set out that, okay, uh, if this happens again, I'm going to punish the manager and the GM. Well, if he had worked with the union or or said ahead of time, no, I'm, I'm punishing players if this ever happens again maybe he avoids us, but he, he didn't think it was going to blow up, right? He didn't think he'd be in this position and he didn't consider, well, if I am in this position, how is the world going to react uh, if I don't end up punishing the player? So it, it really was a lack of foresight on the part of Manfred. I do think they considered, well, we could try to punish them anyway. You know, the one thing I'll say, he, he stands there and says, well, we needed to grant them immunity so we could get to the bottom of this. Our story had everything And then there was video that came out from John boy and others right after the fact, the idea that if he doesn't give the Astros players immunity, they can't figure out what happened. I think is ridiculous. It was all out. We had it out there already.
2: Wow. Interesting stuff. You are the Bob Woodward of, uh, of Watergate here with the Astros cheating scandal. Um, Great stuff. Good luck with the book. Evan Drellick is joining us here, 9870 SPN. Winning fixes everything how baseball's brightest minds created sports' biggest mess. We look forward to chatting with you down the road. Good stuff. We appreciate a couple minutes this morning. Thanks, boys. All right. That was good. It's interesting stuff. It makes me excited to read the book. 13 months. Yeah. I, mean,
3: I The whole thing, though, I, I have my biggest problem with the entire thing is just, just who is. And I know you know they were, warn, they were warned and they continue to do it. But still, I mean, it's it's something that's gone on in baseball forever. I just don't it, – it's like – I guess
2: the thought is, and I don't know that it's right, like where is the line? That's what I mean. Like right. who's
3: the arbiter of what's, what's right. gamesmanship? If, if,
2: if any cheating is forbidden, then then you've cheated and now you're in an area which is not okay. But if up to now like, – It's not black who, and white. Who, who are you to say, well, now I've gone you've over done it better. to here? Right.
3: But that, but that was my point when I asked the question. It's like, okay, so if the Red Sox are doing it, the Yankees are doing it, and now – we're, so we're doing the same thing. And the entire time, whenever you're doing something like that, you're always looking for ways to make it better. I don't care what it is. Anything you do, you're looking for ways to make it better. Right. Work smarter, not harder. And it's like, whoa.
2: They've streamlined it. it.
3: it. Yeah, well, if this is working so well with the guy on second base, why even wait? Why they wait? we got to get we'll, on second we'll, we'll base. We'll start it
2: beforehand. But the thing is that I think kind of detracts from all the detractors is that they keep winning. Like now that it's out of it, they just dominated their way to another World Series title.
3: Right. I think that's part of it. It's I mean it's just it's like just reasserting themselves as far as, you know, we're just you know, the way we draft, the way we develop, we're just better than they are
2: is. a great, great organization. You, are. you might hate them, you might no, hate them. Whatever, it's fine. They they lost Garrett Cole and won. Now they've lost Justin Verlander, and we went through these quoted oh, numbers too. earlier. They lost Correa. and, and Correa. Yep and they're still projected to win 95 games. And you tell me right now who, who would you take in the American well, League? Well, they lost the whole Car- thing,
3: but they lost Korea before they won the World Series. Yeah. And Jeremy Peña steps right in.
2: Right in. Yep. N- not an issue in the world. They're, they are they are they are the elite franchise in baseball right yeah, now.
3: Yeah, but I think baseball's put themselves in this position though. Where there's such an emphasis on analytics and numbers and everything else and every team is trying to outsmart the other team. It's like you have something that like you everyone's looking for the edge. It was just it mean I have a problem with who who's to tell me where the line is at.
2: Well, I guess Major League Baseball had an issue with this.
3: Thanks for listening to the
1: DPHRO and Rothenberg podcast. Looking for more access to the show. Why? Cuz you know why. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram and Facebook at DR on
2: ESPN. How about Raymond? He won. I mean, when the guest says, "Boy, that intro music really kind of sets the stage for tone here." I mean, Santiago you really are on point today, aren't you? See, that's what I strive for. Somebody comes on and says, "Hey, whoever's playing that music, great job." That's oh, all. You know I what need. happened?
3: You know what happened yesterday? He no, tells a
2: story with his music.
3: Yeah, no Knicks, no Rangers yesterday. So yeah, so he
2: he probably got what do you think? Seven hours last I, night. What,
3: but this is why I'm saying I'm pleading to management:
5: pay this oh, you man know, you know, his what,
2: money. You know, what Valentine's night. Oh. He probably has. Sorry, right, I made a
5: mistake there. I thought that's what you were getting uh, at. No, Oops. he has
2: a special
3: lady. You got out the poison, right? Now you can think what? clearly. What? <laughs> you know what I'm
6: saying. <laughs> what, what is, what is happening sure How I'm you can say that. How, how about Why this? can't you say that? How, how, what how, about, that means? how
2: about this, by the way? How about this? So I'm at the game last night. We win. Victoria is so excited. Dad walks up to me. He goes, you know, I didn't think um when I was listening to the show earlier today that uh, you were going to refer to... Uh, Peter North, during the show. I said, well, that's, that's the beauty it's of the, the show. That's the beauty of the show. You never know where we're going to go. You never
3: know. That's so, right. Raymond, am I right? I plead the fifth. Sleep and release? Is that what happened? Uh, I plead the fifth.
2: I, I, I don't understand. Do you don't know want to get to the bottom of this? Wait, know you, well, yeah, you can get to the bottom of it without... With, how like, do you know? Uh, graphic. Evan just,
3: Evan just said that we need to ask the hard-hitting questions. To get to the bottom of the story, I don't know if that's hard hitting. Yeah, you're crossing, you're
2: crossing a line. I can't There's go to a line. You like I, the Astros? You wait for the runner to be on second. You Can't go right there.
3: I can't walk into his apartment and start taking pictures ste- like Evan did of the dugout. You're out. stealing signs right now. Can't do that. I can't get to the Take bottom. Take off your shirt.
2: You have, you have a buzzer right on your chest, don't you? <laughs> Somebody is is giving you Morse code of what to ask this guy. Stop it! <laughs> it's a very uncomfortable territory that we have now branched into. Right now, Raymond, I apologize for that. <laughs> Uh, what can it's you do? too much gray area. I don't know what, what the can, line what can is. You do? Buck Showalter, he spoke yesterday. Want to hear from him? Yeah, let's uh, hear all from here, Buck. Here we go. This season is about the end game.
0: I think we'll seek our level. I just want to feel confident. We'll seek our level, whatever it may be, is that whatever the game and, and health. There's a lot of things that go into it, but you know, I just want to feel confident. We're going to be as good as, as we're capable of being. That's what we're, we're trying to present. We're trying to set here. You know what it is. I'm as curious as you are to find out what it is. 100 games hard, you know, is our season a, a failure if we win 90, whatever number you want to come up with. It's about the end game. And initially it's about winning trying to figure out a way to be better in four teams. See, that's,
2: that's the thing. 90, 95, 103, 107, 84. I don't, don't, win, care. The division. I don't w- win the division yep. and go on a real run in the postseason. A failure, I, I, listen, I don't know what's a failure and what's not a failure, right? Everyone has their own determination, but losing to the Astros, I mean, to the uh, Padres in the first round last year, that was a bitter pill to swallow. You have to do better this year.
3: Yeah, but it wasn't just, the, my, my bigger problem was was not just that, though. It was, uh, I mean, it was setting yourself up exactly how you wanted to be set up for that Atlanta series. So it was the two biggest series, I mean, it was the two biggest you got series yeah, you got of destroyed. your season set up exactly how you were hoping to set them up, and it...
2: You, I don't know if you felt like this. I clearly felt like like the steam was leaving the engine of the Mets at the end of the year, right? It felt it felt like they were on fume. I think the Marte injury crushed them. Crushed them. Um, they brought all the young guys up. They brought up Alvarez. They put him in a really awful, spot. difficult situation. Vientos. They tried to play him. Beatty. They tried to play him before he got hurt. Like it felt like they were kind of panicking, and you know it was tough because that Atlanta series went to ground. And I remember you texting me. Like, the Gromel had two home runs in, like, the first couple innings, and you, you said, what is happening here? And when they got swept in that series, I, I remember saying it, and you kind of argued with me, but I stood by it, and I think I was right. The season ended that weekend against Atlanta. It completely fell apart that weekend.
3: Yeah, but I didn't expect it to end the way it ended in that fashion. What, with, with the Padres? Yeah, like, just, I mean, it just, it was, I don't know. We spent that entire season just with, I mean, this thought that this, this was going to be the year. And then you get to the very end of it, and then you have the Braves series, and then to go out the way just against a, a San Diego meekly. team. It's a good, yeah, it's a good team. San, don't get me wrong, San Diego's a good team, but it was like, all right, here it is. Let's go. And
2: it just was, it wasn't the fight that you expected. Yeah, they went out meekly. They lost the first game. DeGrom pitched well enough to win game two. Remember, they brought in Diaz. It was like a seven-out save. It was a lot. And then game three, they were hammered. And then Joe Musgrove completely outdueled them. So... Again, you're excited about the season. You want to win the division. In the end, like in any sport, what you do during the 162, it matters, but it doesn't ultimately matter that much. It's what you do in the postseason. Like Buck says, they have to win. They they have to go Look on to the run Phillies. this postseason. Look at the Phillies, right? Right. The Phillies were a wild card team, and they went to to the World Series. I think you said it perfectly. I mean, that's the the
3: goal of a season is because it's it's especially baseball. It's a marathon, not a sprint. But the goal for any of these teams is is to put yourself in a spot where you have the best chance to make that run to a championship. And sometimes, you know, for teams that, like the Phillies, it's about being, you know, guys are getting healthy, the right, everyone's hot at the right time. You you start to hit your stride, It as opposed to running on fumes, now all of a sudden things are clicking and you're playing your best baseball and you'll ride that through to the World Series. Hopefully that happens for us this season. Yeah. I still have, I mean, I still have a concern that, I mean, the one thing we kept talking about all season what, long that last one season bat short? was that we were one batch short, and that's why... That is why the owner of this team, who's done an unbelievable job, decided that from Hawaii he wanted to pick up the phone and say, "We got Carlos Correa. We felt like we were a piece away and he was the piece." Right.
2: And I was with him. Well, I don't know how you couldn't be. And now I don't think you can kill them for him his ankle, no, the fact absolutely that he couldn't pass muster, but he but and I thought last year and I was wrong, and I owned up to it, and I think you believe the same thing. Don't you believe that if they need the piece this year, they'll go out and they'll make the big splash and get a legit, not, not Vogelback and not Ruff and not those kind of guys, but like a really a big piece?
3: Well, I think the clock is ticking, but here's the other thing, though. I, I mean, you got to understand, he's not going to be stupid about this. Yeah, he said he wanted to win a championship in the first three to five years, but he also said he wanted to be the East Coast version of the Dodgers. Right. Which means build up the farm system and continue to you know, compete and win championships. The best way to do that now is to go just spend the money. Spend a, the
2: money now. Build via the draft.
3: But, but the deadline, you're not spending money. You want a big time bat. You you're have make,
2: to, you have to mortgage the future, and well, that's not un, something un, he really wants to do. Unless the big time bat also comes with the long term contract. Okay, like, like that be,
3: Yeah, that could be part of it. But it also could be like as, as simple as maybe that big time bat's already here, and he just needs the
2: opportunity. Maybe to go out and show you. Listen, let let's see. They they are a very talented team. I think they're going to win a lot of. Baseball How many people games. thought that Jeremy Pena was going to be the? How many people knew who Jeremy Pena was?
3: Well, I kind of told you that he was going to be a no, really no, good no, player, no.
2: but I'm I'm saying how many how many like real fans of baseball looked at Jeremy Pinney and said, "Oh, you know what?
3: Who the hell are you?" No, I think at a certain point you need to understand. Like, well, there's a reason why the color square walk away, but I think you need to also understand that when you have a team that's got you know good players, yeah, maybe Escobar has a much improved season. No, no, but I think there's there's opportunities. Like there's always an opportunity if you. I mean, that, I tell you this all the time. The most important thing to do for a team is to be great at self scouting, knowing exactly having a pretty good idea of what you have. But when you have a team that's laced with a bunch of really good veteran players, there's a good opportunity to handpick one of those young guys and say, OK, hey, listen, there's no pressure on you. I don't need you to be like last year was Francisco Alvarez who was going to jump in
2: and no, be the it, savior. It was desperation. Go, go hit that bat seventh. Do it all year and long. We're going to give you the at-bats. And, and you're the guy. And let's see what happens.